0: Friend, I want you to know that if today's episode resonates with you, my immersive teaching, What Makes Women Feel Beautiful?, is for you. Visit hillaryrushford.com slash beautiful to see if enrollment is currently open or get on the wait list for the next time we open doors to welcome new members. I'll put that link in the description of this episode as well. It's hillaryrushford.com slash beautiful. You are welcome here and this teaching experience will change your life. So you are welcome in advance. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hi, friend. So, I have a baby update, and it is such a powerful example of the wild peace that I am experiencing in my life in this season that I, for one, want to understand how I got because. It is so foreign to me. I have been a naturally anxious person. I am realizing through some reflection since my early teens, which I will talk about in this episode, and in the last month or so, I keep saying to my husband, are you realizing how? Calm, I am, and how much this is out of character for me. This is rocking my world. And it is absolutely amazing, as someone who has struggled with anxiety for decades, to feel this level of peace in one area of my life. To be clear, it is amazing. It feels so good that I want it in other areas of my life. And that really is what today's episode came out of is my saying, I want this in other areas of my life. I want to figure out how did I get this? How did I end up here? God, universe, inner self. How did we get to this piece in this area? And especially because I'd already been feeling this throughout, ultimately towards the end, saying yes to surrogacy and believing that Everything was going to work out and telling our families that we're having a baby, even though all that really meant was we were moving to embryo transfer. And throughout the embryo transfer, whether we were going to find out if we were pregnant or not, the early weeks of pregnancy, I had been feeling this. But a week and a half ago, I had a moment where I really got to see. I had about 12 hours where I got to see does it really hold up? Just how strong is this piece? Is it just because everything is going all right and it hasn't really been tested? And what happened is a week and a half ago, we were just sitting down at the Barbie movie and uh, it was reserved seating. So Jeremy had my phone. I'd ran to the bathroom. Because of that, my phone was sitting out on the table. It's one of those where you get dinner while you watch the movie. And it was sitting face up and I was just about to sit down, would have put my phone away. If I'd been holding my phone, it would have already been away and off and in my purse. And he's like, oh my gosh, our, he points to the phone and our surrogate is calling. And so it's such providence that I even saw it. And I'm so grateful that I did because it would have been fine for Jeremy and I if we had seen it a few hours later, it actually would have been better for us. If we were like, oh, we had a missed call, we see this when we get out of the movie, we would have had a couple more hours of peace. But it would have caused more stress for our surrogate if I had missed the call. And that's why I'm so grateful that I got it because I pick up the phone, and by the way, she never calls. I mean, we text, but I it's it is not a common thing that she would call. So I know immediately something is wrong, basically. And she sounds pretty emotional. Her voice is like pretty shaky, um, which also isn't normal. She's normally very calm. And she said, I don't mean to alarm you, but I'm having some spotting and I've never had that in my past pregnancies with my own children. And so I just, I'm, I'm concerned and I'm going to head to the hospital. And I, in the the waiting area, the lobby, whatever of this theater, I'm incredibly calm. And I said to her, I've seen Dr. Seacon, who is my doctor and an incredible resource on Instagram. I will put her link in the description here in case that's helpful to you. But I said, I saw her, this is, this is maybe a couple months ago. Now I saw her do a reels about the fact that spotting early in pregnancy while it can be concerning so yes get it checked out can also be completely fine so i had the past education to logically keep me calm and to say i actually do have some wisdom in this area and i'm so grateful to my past self for following now granted i'm following lucky because she's my friend and she's my neighbor But really what I now realize in hindsight is the wisdom in following someone who's in a season ahead of you or has wisdom about a season ahead of you rather than waiting until you're right in that season. Because I didn't wait until we were pregnant to then start trying to figure it out. And again, I didn't do this intentionally. This was just the the grace of the way my situation unfolded. But I now am thinking, okay who can I be following now for the baby season, even though we're, you know, seven and a half months away so that I can be soaking up that knowledge now, not panicking in the moment when I need it. So word, word for your, your future. What are you doing in the next couple of years? Who can you start following now so that you're just soaking that in? A little bit in advance, you have that already within you when you need it. So I was able to feel calm for myself and then also pass on that education so that I wasn't just saying a platitude, like, let's stay calm, but I actually could give her knowledge to say, I have heard from a doctor, this can be fine. And I'm so grateful. I feel like there's so little I know about pregnancy that I also am just taking that as a moment to give gratitude to God or the universe that. I don't know everything, but I had that little nugget of wisdom that it turns out I was going to need. But in addition to having that logic, I just simply, truly felt calm in my soul. I felt the same calm going into our embryo transfer and... The day that we got the call as to whether or not it worked, I've shared multiple examples of around those times that I captured in the moment on my Instagram. I'll link those in the description as well. But I genuinely had that same piece of, God, we want your best. We absolutely believe one of these three embryos is a life that you mean to bring. And if there is a better plan than the one that we have right now in this early pregnancy, which I am inclined to want to cling to and not lose, right? I, I don't want to lose this thing that I have. But if what you have after this is better, and therefore I want to be palms up, I want to trust you. So she said she's heading to the hospital. I thanked her for doing that for being so you know proactive. And I said, also just put your hand on your heart. And just take a deep breath and know that Jeremy and I believe that whatever happens tonight, it will ultimately be fine. And therefore, she can have that same peace. And again, going back to sowing seeds, you know, being grateful to my past self in my present self, which I talk a lot about in terms of, you know, if we're trying to heal our burnout. Feel more peace in our body and our beauty, move our goals forward. Everything that we do inside the Healing Burnout Course, What Makes Women Feel Beautiful, the Elegant Excellence Journal, so much of it is about living today so that your future self looks back and is grateful to your past self. You did the work then and you're going to benefit from it in the future. And sometimes it is little seeds, sometimes it's going slowly through a product or a program and then realizing. In a poignant moment, oh, I'm so grateful to my past self for doing that work. So last summer, we met with a doula and I've shared uh, in a previous episode that her biggest piece of advice was to reduce stress in pregnancy. And that was ultimately what mattered most. We have all of the OB guidelines to go by nationally. Anything else we think may or may not help in pregnancy, we don't have the data on. But what we do know is that stress during pregnancy can impact the fetus. So do whatever is going to make you feel the least stressed. And so my goal as an intended mother, which is a term within the surrogacy world, intended parents and gestational character, gestational carrier, My goal as an intended mother is to exude as much calm and faith as possible so that my surrogate feels less stress because I can imagine not only is it natural to feel anxious early on in a pregnancy period for anyone, but on top of that, putting myself in her shoes, you don't want to let someone else down. Imagine the fear that you feel if you're spotting and then also the anxiety of having to inform someone else about that something scary with their child. It just feels like there's a double pressure. And so I'm doubly intentional to lower the stress for her so that all three of us, myself, her, and the baby have a healthier pregnancy. So I tell her, we're actually just walking into the Barbie movie and I have to put my phone away. They're very strict about phones at this theater, which I love. And so I said, if I don't answer when you call back, that's why, but text me if there's an update, I will sneak my phone out a couple of times to check. And, um, but then we also go in and as we're sitting down, I think, I don't want Jeremy and I to sit here and be distracted for the next two hours. Like I don't want us to sit here in this movie with part of our brain wondering Is it going to be okay? Is it not going to be okay? Like going down those rabbit holes. So the previews are already playing. It's loud in there. And I take out my phone and I just type on my notes app, we want your best. We trust you as like a little prayer. And I just show it to Jeremy and we just kind of like lock eyes, squeeze hands, nod. Like, yes, this is what we are praying. If your mind wanders to something else, just go back to God I trust you and we we want your best. And now I'm going to go back to being in the present moment because there's nothing that we can do, right? And we know this logically all the time when we're feeling anxious and, and worrying that it's not leading to anything. And yet we have a hard time stopping it. I absolutely do. So why am I having so much clarity and ability to do this in this situation is what I'm trying to excavate. But the movie ends. I check my phone and we don't have an update from her. And then I'm realizing, well, it's been two and a half hours. And it's the first time that I start to get nervous because I'm thinking, oh, I don't know, maybe a half hour to the hospital, a half hour to get checked in. Like, how long does it take them to do an ultrasound? I'm thinking she would have known by now. And I thought, well, if they told her, if they were like, I'm sorry, you've miscarried or you're miscarrying She's not going to want to send that to me in a text and have me check it in the middle of the movie if I put myself in her shoes. So I'm thinking if she got bad news, she probably wouldn't give an update. And and that's why it's been two and a half hours and there's no update. She's going to wait until she hears from us. So as we walk out, I start to feel anxious. I start to think this actually could be bad news. And I think something that's important that I had said to Jeremy before the movie started is. That I really have not rehearsed worst case scenarios when it comes to pregnancy loss and disappointment. I have not envisioned and pre-rehearsed what would I actually think and feel and do, and how would I react and what would come next if we miscarry this pregnancy. And that is shocking for me because I pre-rehearsed grief. In so many other areas of my life, I can be in the middle of my day and it's like, "Why are you crying?" I and mean, I'm like, "Oh, I was just I was picturing like what happened if you died, like to my husband. Like this is a normal way my brain works." And when I said earlier, I realized that I've had anxiety since I was in my early teens. And that's because I would almost nightly Pre rehearse the grief of my dad dying since I was in early high school. When I would get into bed at night before I would fall asleep and I would get myself into tears and I would get myself so worked up. My dad has never been in poor health. He has no chronic illness. Like there was not some trauma that triggered this. I'm realizing that's just the way I was wired as soon as I was old enough to experience anxiety. That I didn't have something that was making me experience this in childhood. But once we start to get to adolescence and a little bit more age of awareness, I started to worry something bad is going to happen. So why am I not doing it in this area? When again, I've got decades of saying this is the way my mind works. And one of my thoughts is that I had enough years of watching other friends go through fertility trauma and go on to carry such anxiety that so much of the joy of the process was stolen. And you know, as they were moving into pregnancies and ultimately successful live births, but they were so afraid to celebrate, so afraid to share, so afraid to enjoy, so bracing for loss. And I say that without any judgment at all, 1 million percent, because we we are so discipled by disappointment. When we experience loss and grief and trauma, it is so normal for us to brace for that again. And I'm even seeing back to myself at, I don't know, 14 years old, I hadn't even experienced loss and grief and trauma. I didn't have a close relationship with my grandparents that passed away. Like nothing had happened even without that. It is so incredibly common for us to pre-rehearse this trauma. And and to brace for that happening for the first time or again. But I think I had enough distance from the trauma of our IVF rounds to waiting years in between that and actually moving forward to say, yes, we're going into surrogacy and into embryo transfer and into pregnancy, that I had a healing window in between those two seasons that not everyone has the privilege of, specifically in pregnancy or maybe in other experiences in your life, that a hard season happened and then I had a big, long rest. And now we're going through another season of it. A lot of times, things that we experience, you're in the, the trauma, the loss, and the not yet. That, that's the whole season that you're in. And the traumas were not exactly the same thing which is true in general, if you had trouble uh, conceiving and now you're moving on to IVF and now you're moving into more rounds and now you're moving into a pregnancy, each one of those, they aren't exactly the same kind of trauma. Like you might have been fearful when you couldn't conceive um, unassisted, but now you're moving into IVF. You have you you can start to have success and separate like okay great now we're we're moving on we can release that now we're happy that we have you know positive uh embryo results etc um but when they're back to back i think it can be harder to be like i have healed i've closed the door on that hard part of the story and now we're into something more positive it feels a lot more precarious when you move right on to the next chapter of something, and that story never really settles and feels safe. The plane never really lands. So if it feels like you you didn't really get closure on this health thing in your life, there's still elements happening. If your business or your career or something has been hard and you're like, it just kind of keeps going. We don't often get these seasons of that story ended. We put put it on the shelf for a few years, and now something else is happening, but we had this healing kind of, I want to say desert, but it's actually a beautiful, it's like we had this healing garden in between to kind of renew. And I think that space in between allowed me to heal from the initial fear that arose in those failed IVF rounds of what if this never works? What if we can never have a, a, a baby? What if we never get matched for adoption? What if we never have kids? into gratitude over the years for the three embryos that we did have and a really empowered hope that we were being called to the road of surrogacy because one of the embryos was in fact going to work. That's why we were moving down this path. And so I somewhat consciously, somewhat subconsciously left the trauma in the past to choose joy, hope, faith, peace, trust in this process, in this next chapter of the process. And I not only had the years of distance, but that preparation time in what we'll call this healing garden season to think about the fact in advance, to really see it coming and know that's how I wanted to approach it. And also there's things in our life that we don't necessarily, when you think about my brother-in-law's accident, like my family didn't have time to think, okay, something is going to happen in two or three years. How do we want to prepare now to be able to handle it well? Sometimes in life, we don't know that a hard season's coming. But in this case, I did know that it was coming. And then we get to that. I didn't pre-rehearse it in my head. The nightmare scenarios of it not working, we get bad news, we go through loss, et cetera. I focused instead on which path, whether surrogacy or carrying myself, et cetera, gives me the most confidence that there will be a happy outcome? How can I most likely envision the positive outcome I want, not pre traumatize myself envisioning all of the negative stories that I don't want? And I shared that in one of our earlier fertility story episodes that I really made the surrogacy decision from a place of faith not of fear. And I just wasn't coming from the perspective of I'm terrified this isn't going to work the other way. But rather, I just feel a peace that this gives us the best chance. And and, and I'm I'm going to choose the choice with the best chance, and therefore I'm I have no reason not to be really positive and hopeful and expect good things that it is going to work. And so getting that call, I got a week and a half ago, and walking out of the theater, for the first time, it starts to cross my mind. I start to rehearse this scenario that could be moments away. I do think, what if she's miscarried? And I started to envision, how would I react three minutes from now? And I just yet again stopped it and was like, no, we're not going to pre-rehearse of what will I think and feel if I get that text or phone call in the next two minutes. So how did I keep my mind from doing that? I stayed very present in the, this exact moment when I do not have that information. And I was being very logical about what I did know and what I could do, which also includes what I didn't know, rather than leaping to, I don't know that it's going to be okay, so what if it's the worst? And I stayed both very granular in the present moment and also simultaneously big picture, future-oriented of that phrase that I believe. God, we want your best. And if there's a child five years from now that is not this embryo, Then the grief and fear I would feel, honestly, for the next few months until our next embryo transfer, in the long run, I would not regret because I wouldn't have known that child, that human. I'm picturing five years from now. Whoever that kid is that I am over the moon obsessed with and in love with, that's what I want, God. That's, I want your best. So I'm keeping my eye on the big picture prize that I know is going to be so good. And so I don't have to worry if there's some grief, loss, and trauma in the short term because I'm so focused on the positive outcome in the long term. And if I truly believe that that's your best, then I don't have to fear what comes next, even if it's bad news, because after that, there's even better news coming. In a human that for the rest of our lives I will be totally in love with, that maybe this embryo wasn't meant to be that human. And so I stayed kind of calm and busy and logical. I was thinking big picture. And I also was thinking in the moment that I was like, you know, I'm thinking that we would have heard by now, but then I also realized, well, we're only at five weeks. So there isn't even a heartbeat yet. So could they really tell her from an ultrasound that she's miscarried? Like that's where my head was going was, oh, this will be a quick ultrasound. She will have gotten the answer within you know 90 minutes of being checked into the hospital. But now I'm realizing actually it probably needs to be blood work, which is why early on in IVF you do an ultrasound each week, but you also are doing blood work. And the, the ultrasound is giving you just a little visual. But if... If something happened, unless the visual is gone, which I don't think it happens that fast, then we probably are looking to the blood work for. And she went to the hospital for her very first blood work for the pregnancy test a month earlier. And the they had said that it would be two to three hours before we got those results. So probably she's gotten her blood work done, but she hasn't gotten the results back yet. And therefore, actually. I it's it, We we wouldn't have known yet. She doesn't know anything. I'm piecing this together. Thankfully, just two minutes later after we walk out, she texts back with an update that she's not had an ultrasound yet. She has had blood work, but they said it was going to be a while to get the results. And so I realized my expectations that there might be news after two and a half hours was simply incorrect. It wasn't a sign that anything was wrong. It was just, I, I don't know what I don't know. And I'm piecing together this information. So we walk home from the theater and we just were each sort of like playing on our phones. I mean, what what do you really do, right? There's nothing to do. Um, we were wondering, like, should we stay up? Like, how late would we stay up? It's getting really late, our time. Um, now that we've shared on Instagram that we are moving, it will make more sense that she is in California where we are moving to. So she's three hours behind us. It's not as late her time, but it's getting to be late our time. And we're really exhausted. It just is, um, we have a pretty set bedtime. And so beyond that, we do get pretty tired and have a hard time staying awake. And I just honestly was lying there in bed, reading a book and thinking there's nothing we can do. If I stay awake to get bad news, it really isn't going to be any different tonight versus tomorrow. And you know, maybe if it is bad news, tomorrow is gonna be better because it's already late, so we're gonna have an even harder time going to sleep if we wait up and it's bad news and we're then upset. And so I eventually just put my phone away, went to sleep, and I just kept repeating to myself, we want your best, we trust you, Oh, and a line that I added in as Jeremy and I were processing over those few hours between getting home and going to bed, which was, we want your best with as little trauma as possible. So it would be traumatic to have a pregnancy. I'm sorry, it would be traumatic to have a miscarriage right now. But if this pregnancy is not going to lead to a live, healthy birth and child, then it would be less traumatic now than at any other part in the process, two months from now, four months from now and on. So we also ask God for as little trauma as possible, which means if this isn't our baby, take it now rather than later. But if this can be our baby, and this is one of your best options, it's the best, or you have multiple that are the best, then we pray protection over our house against drama, and pain, and we do not want to have to go through this trauma if not necessary. So that felt like a balance between complete trust in God and the universe, and also declaring what you want, which is yes, the best, but also with as little trauma as possible. So you aren't being completely an inactive participant. You are are finding that balance between Here is my ideal God, your best with as little trauma as possible. And also I am trusting it is going to be for your best, not being cavalier, that a miscarriage now would not be traumatic while also thinking about the story five years from now, 20 years from now, whoever our child is going to be. And so I think holding both of those was really helpful. What do I want in this moment? And what do I want long term? And I think most of the time when I'm experiencing anxiety in the moment, it's because what I want or think I want right now, I believe is the best. I believe that it is worse. I believe I already know what the best option is. And so I am clinging to it and clutching it as opposed to actually saying, well, what I want is the best. So, I mean, I think this is what I want, God, but honestly, if there's something better, then yeah, I don't want to, to fight you on this. So I woke up in the morning and I, I haven't checked my phone yet. I'm, I'm laying there with my eyes closed, my sleep mask on. And I realized, friend, that I had dreamt about the fact that it was going to be fine. I hadn't even had subconscious dreams fearing that it was going to be bad news. My subconscious mind even has peace about that, which is wild because for over a year, I struggled to fall asleep, stay asleep, wake up without looping, repetitive, angry, aggressive, defensive, terrified, exhausting dreams and thoughts related to my book publishing nightmare. And that just ended a year ago. And it was, I don't even know if I would really say it ended a year ago. It maybe sort of ended eight months ago. I'm still healing from the trauma of it. So again, I am not someone who historically has been this calm and peaceful. Not even a, a year ago. I'm not talking about like 10 years ago. This is where I'm at. The last hard, hard thing I went through My mind screamed all night long. My subconscious was in so much trauma that I would say it was the worst at night. Waking up in the morning and feeling like all night I was just fighting. I was fighting to be safe. I was fighting to move forward. I was fighting to all these things. That scenario was one of the most excruciating things I've ever been through. But it would be fair to say it would... Surely be less traumatizing than fear of miscarriage or not having to, uh, not being able to have a child. So, wouldn't it be more likely that I would be struggling even more with this? Yet, those thoughts of the last trauma tormented me for over a year. And now here we are, newly into pregnancy, which should and could be even scarier. And I'm literally having dreams that everything works out. Like I just pictured that she had texted and said everything was fine and we chatted about it. Like that's what I was dreaming about. The fact that my subconscious is totally in sync with my conscious mind where I may say things like, I'm working to choose peace and I'm working on my thoughts. I'm working to have a more positive mindset. I'm actively choosing it. I'm actively using my elegant excellence journal every day. But the fact that even my subconscious is at peace is just i am gobsmacked when i wake up and i realize this but then as i am waking up i start to think i'm going to take my eye mask off and i'm going to reach for my phone and it could say call me when you get up or you know something open ended that i feel like implies this has to be bad news. Or she just would have sent a text saying that it's fine. Or there's no text, which again, I'm going to assume is bad news because she didn't want to just send a text. I mean, honestly, put yourself in her shoes, right? Like, what would you do? You're a surrogate. You're at the hospital. You told it's miscarried. It's in the middle of the night. Your intended parents are on the East coast. Like, what would you do? What would you, you know, like you think they're asleep. You're not sure. So I'm just thinking through what all the options could be on my phone, and um, you know, or, or maybe it just does say, "I'm, I, I'm so sorry to text, but it's 3 a.m. You know, I, I, I called, I didn't hear from you. I'm assuming, you know, you are asleep, and I hate that." you're going to wake up to this, but I realized you're going to see my missed call anyways. And and then I'll be asleep on the West coast by the time you wake up. So I wanted to go ahead, you know, and let you know this, you know, fill in the blank bad news. Um, and I knew that that was a very real possibility because we didn't have any information the night before. And so I kind of laid there with my eye mask on, you know, I'm not looking at the clock, so I don't or like, which is on my phone. So I don't know what time it is. And I kind of wait until Jeremy's shifting and waking up. And then I feel like he's about to sit up and and get out of bed. And I said, can you wait a minute? I'm going to check so I can check my phone while we're together. And he said, yeah, I woke up a couple hours ago thinking about it, but I didn't want to check my phone while you were asleep because we're on a group text. So he could have checked his phone as well and he would have seen it. Um, So we wanted to check together. So I grabbed my phone and I start reading aloud. And she said, the HCG numbers came back exactly where they should be. They didn't ultrasound. And as expected, they couldn't really tell anything. But since the blood work was right on track, they said there was no cause for concern. Just take it easy for a few days and go ahead and schedule an appointment with your OB for a checkup. And Jeremy and I were just like, okay, okay, the baby's good. The baby's good. The baby's coming. Like, aren't we so glad that we chose peace and we didn't traumatize ourselves over all those hours because it turns out that it's good news. And over the next few hours, we just kept repeating to back to each other, like, the baby is good. Our baby's great. We're having a baby. Our baby's coming March 29, or you know, around there, just to like re-emphasize and release. We we didn't need to worry. We didn't need to worry. Leave leave that concern in in yesterday. We are not bracing for loss. So, I sat down after that and I started journaling. How do I think I got here? Because again, I if you were listening to this thinking, well, must like must be nice. Sounds good for you. Like there is also another part of Hillary that's sitting here with her arms crossed being like, Well, must be nice over there, but over here, we're struggling with anxiety about X, Y, Z. Like, I almost feel like I am two different people inside my head. So I am looking to myself to say, girl, what did you do over here on this realm that we can apply? So a handful of things. Number one, I prayed for guidance a lot on this journey. First, through the rounds of IVF and whether or not we should keep going and how we should feel about things way more than I have in my business, for example, which I would say is probably my main area of anxiety is like, you know, my schedule and my, my priorities and team hiring and like all those kind of things is probably where the majority of my anxiety comes from the whole, the whole book publishing nightmare, like that was in business. So while I do have fleeting thoughts about other anxieties, you know, my parents dying, my husband dying. I would say mostly the thing that I'm dealing with just low-grade anxiety or even just worry or uncertainty about regularly is my business. Well, I have not prayed as emphatically about my business because IVF felt so scary. It felt so huge and heavy to make these like life altering decisions. It was so much money. When when do we have enough? Do we keep going? How many rounds do we try? And so there was a sense, I think, of how terrifying it was, how cosmically big it felt, and also the real deadline of you got to decide if you're moving forward again. There was a huge financial investment every time. And so I think that forced me, invited me or forced me far more than in other areas of my life to just pray and pray and pray. And that did lead to peace. I, I felt peace that we were meant to do five rounds or three embryos, whatever came first. And, and I got that peace from it. And then we got good news. It turned out our fourth round was better than any of our, our other rounds. We we sort of ended on a win. We ended on a high. It was like, oh my gosh, we were just hoping for one embryo this round and then do a fifth and get one more. Oh my gosh, we actually got two. Like So I think there was an upswing there that it was incredible prayer. And by the way, when I say prayer, I always want to invite people with whatever your religious and spiritual beliefs are. You can use, you know, prayer in your way. For me as a Christian, that is praying to God, asking him for guidance. Um, But whatever prayer is for you, it was prayer that led to peace, that led to a happy ending, which we don't always have. And yet we also do have it in a lot more areas than we realize, right? Because I could tell you a lot of not happy endings in my life, Way more quickly off the top of my head than I would think to go back to. And then I met my husband, and then we got Mr. Freddie Cappuccino, and then we found this apartment. And then, like, I've got a lot of beautiful, happy endings in my life. But what I could tell you right now are all the things I have wanted and have not gotten, have not worked out. And so I think I was really focused then on that happy ending that we had there. Then, second, I prayed for guidance a lot in surrogacy, more than I ever have in anything because we were making now such a huge financial decision and such a huge existential decision. I said this in our surrogacy story episode, but for anyone who thinks it is easy to choose using a surrogate, when you actually sit and grapple with all that that means and all you are accepting. And I mean, it is a lot to say, am I going to accept this gift from another human being? Like it is a lot to actually get there. And the the weight of that, you know, envisioning every emotion in the experience. What was it going to be like at the ember transfer? What was it going to be like not being at the ultrasounds? What was it going to be like being in a room where she's giving birth and we're like hearing her scream in agony for our family, like, oh my gosh, like just what is all of that like? And the science and the spirituality behind it, I, I had to turn to God. It felt like way too much pressure and power to think that I knew what to do here. And again, while I have turned to God in my business, and finding a home, in dating, I just never felt the heaviness of this huge one-time decision. And so I think, again, that I think the perspective in both of these things, like this is really, I don't want to say like life or death, but it just feels so huge. That perspective really compelled me to prayer, which really led me to peace. But I also think that within that prayer, that the perspective of it was part of it how great and big and grand this is but also the deadline of it i do need to make a decision and i think a lot of other times it's like well each each date each relationship you know maybe it feels like a really big decision in leaving a relationship let's say and that's what you're really praying about but do you often have a deadline Have you given yourself a deadline to say, I have to decide going into 2024, either this is the person I am building with for the rest of my life, or I cannot spend another year in limbo. You know, and I think I, with with IVF, when it's not going well, you're like, you don't have a year to keep thinking about this. Like there is an urgency to move forward. And for us with surrogacy, there just was, or rather with having a child, there was a sense of like this is the time to do it. We don't want to think about this for five more years. We're not getting any younger. We don't want to be parents at X age, you know, fill in the blank. So I really had to like make a, a decision. There was an extra pressure there to prioritize the prayer and to fight for the peace to make that choice. And I think a lot of other things in my life, my business just drags on like, you know, we're gonna go find a home in California, but we're only gonna be there for a handful of years and then we're gonna move someplace else. And da, da, da. like it kind of can just feel like those things keep going. So then I'm wondering for myself, what are the decisions, what are the deadlines that I can put in to say. I am done with this mindset. I am done with this scarcity thinking. I am done with waffling on this. I am, this has got to be done before the baby gets here, before 2024, before, you know, whatever it is for you. And then number three, I was really intentional that I didn't want to allow the joy to be stolen in this pregnancy process. And I think I had a lot of clarity about that because I knew that we were only going to do this once in the baby stage. We hope to adopt older children. But I think going in knowing you're only going to have one, and this is a limited time experience. I get nine months of experiencing a pregnancy, and that's it. We're never doing this again. That I didn't want to like white knuckle and micromanage the experience. I wanted to enjoy it and i think a big reason why i had the wisdom to do that is because it is the opposite of what i did in my wedding planning and if i could go back i would do so much differently in my wedding planning and i i ha- so i'm learning from my own experience in a different channel a different area of my life in this thing you went through before you white-knuckled it, you micromanaged it, you lost so much of the joy because you had so much pressure and expectation and overwhelm and whatever, you didn't decide from day one, I am going to love every minute of this. And as a result, you have regret and, and grief over how much of the joy did get stolen. But in wedding planning, I often said, I didn't have anyone to look to. I didn't have any friends that I didn't have a bunch of friends that had planned weddings when I had been super close to them. It also was a little different because of my business. I was like reaching out to brands to partner together. And then that felt like it put more pressure on it. You know, you're, this was right before like all of the magazine, wedding magazines closed but you were looking at other colleagues and being like, oh, they're getting these features for their weddings. That's going to drive traffic. I mean, it's not why I'm getting married. But while I'm here, it's a real missed opportunity, right? Not to do it. And so I, I think if I'd had any other colleague friend to go through it, I would have had that wisdom to, I, I would, would would give somebody so much different advice than I was able to give myself. But when it came to the joy being stolen in pregnancy because of past loss, I had watched so many friends go through that. And I had watched them not be able to rejoice in a pregnancy because they were just so afraid not to lose it. And I just didn't want that. And in the same way, not, not saying that, um, that they wanted it or chose it, not saying that from place of judgment. Because again, I didn't do that in my wedding planning. And, um, and I lost that joy. And so it was a duality of I'm learning from my old experience that that's not how I want to go through a joyful season. And I'm also learning from observing others going through it. And I'm pairing both of that together. I didn't have anybody to look at for the wedding. Um, and other people may have had no one else to look at when they were going through, um, their pregnancy losses or, or challenging, uh, you know, fertility season, or it may be the first time they were going through it, just like I did with the wedding, where they're like, I didn't know in advance to say, I'm not going to lose a minute of, you know, the joy in this. Number four, as I mentioned before, though, I had time in my story to heal that most don't in a fertility journey. Your 2018 to early 2019 was our first trauma window. But by the time I was really deeply wrestling with the final decisions that for sure, for sure, we're going to say yes to kids and to surrogacy, it was 2022. So I had three years in between And while that whole time I was wondering whether or not to have kids, whether or not to use a surrogate, it also wasn't yet time to make the final decision. So it was kind of a long, drawn-out process. It was kind of slow, and I think that gave me time to heal from the early fear, and I felt more excitement and hope that came from choosing this path of surrogacy that I really believe, for whatever reason, was absolutely going to work. And then five, there... Really was this belief that I wanted God's best. And in truth, in hindsight, that was not my prayer with my book. I was praying for it to not be delayed. I was praying for energy and focus. I was praying for wisdom. I was praying to get it done. I was praying for openness on the mindset and the ease of my other partners that it would just flow and there would be no roadblocks i was praying for insight um you know on, on the part of my t- the team on the part of myself like so i was praying but it didn't occur to me to say god if this is going to end in a creative stillbirth i want less trauma Please end it sooner or make it clear to me that I have to step away for a season and reprioritize because I don't want to get in the trauma of, you know, incredible business chaos because I focused on this for so much longer than I had planned to because I'm so determined I'm going to bring it to life. I'm going to bring it to life. I'm going to make it work. I know it's taking longer. I know it's getting more complicated. I know it's getting more expensive, but like I am, I am going to make this work. That sounds so admirable in so many ways, but I'm also reflecting on the fact that I wasn't releasing. I thought I was being wise by deeply committing and asking for help to see that through. And I'm not saying there wasn't also wisdom and a lot to be proud of in that. But I will also say I had more confidence in my plan. I had more confidence that I felt like I knew the book was meant to come now. I was clear that I knew the best path, the best plan, the best timing. And it turns out that I was wrong. So... Did that perhaps furthermore help me want to say, as I moved from the book dying just a year ago, it officially died in June. And I would say I officially had peace about surrogacy for sure, for sure, for sure, around like October, and that we would say yes to a, a match kind of anytime after that. That I think in that transition from the deep grief of of pouring myself into trying to bring something to life, a creation, a seven-year dream, something that I had like, tried to, to gestate for a year, something that was going to change my identity, the way that you become a mom, I was now going to become an author. People were gonna see me differently. There was gonna be a new group of people that I got to hang out with, the way you now were gonna have mom friends, the way you see your friends go on being moms and you are still trying to conceive. I see my friends going on and having books and I'm still trying to conceive. And so the trauma that came out of that I think perhaps made me want to say, God, I don't want to pour myself into another birth and creation if it's not going to flourish. And this gets dicey for me on mindset. And let me be clear, I'm just trying to process this for myself. Right, a lot of our conversations here are me processing for myself, and that's not the same thing as saying, "Okay, I have coached 10,000 women through this process, and I know exactly what works for everyone." I'm just kind of sharing with you, as your, you know, bestie on the internet, where my processing is coming from, and it gets dicey on mindset because I'm in no way implying that when we go through trauma. It's because we didn't have the right prayers or mindset. I'm just saying that for me, after gripping and working so hard on the book for it to all be for nothing, I then moved into the next experience in my life, which happened to now be bringing a child forth into the world. And I had the humility. From that last trauma to say, God, clearly I don't know the best path because all my wisdom was pointing to now is the time for the book. This is the publisher you're supposed to go with. You should work to prioritize this. The sacrifice is going to be worth it. Everyone you know who's done this, this has been successful. Like I thought I had all the wisdom going into that. And it just led to death and destruction and trauma and grief and shame and pain. So like Jesus take the wheel. I mean, I am smart and creative and strategic, but obviously my plans are not the best. What my earthly mind can envision is not the best because I can't see all the other factors that are involved, like the different people involved, when someone's going to retire, like my first editor, what someone's character is going to be, like my agents. So I couldn't control any of that. I couldn't work hard enough. I couldn't do well enough in my own strength to make it come to life. And by comparison, that was just a book. So clearly, I can't control the bringing of life in terms of an actual child. And so I think ultimately, as I reflect back on these five, there was the being deeply compelled to an incredible level of prayer that led to answered prayers that I could look to and focus on and celebrate that led to more prayers and deepening simultaneously like another channel in this story is I have the lessons of the wedding trauma which is really happening around the same time I was planning our weddings 2018 to early 19 so while I'm going through all this prayer and IVF I am letting so much joy get stolen from our wedding story I then have this time to heal this healing garden season from the fertility treatment into the planning and, uh, and preparing for fertility. And I also realized in that time, I didn't have that preparation time for the book or for the wedding. Again, I wasn't watching all these people going through the wedding and knowing it was coming. I mean, I dated someone for a year. It seemed like we were getting serious. We got engaged. We planned a wedding. You know, I didn't see it coming for years the way I did surrogacy. I did see a book coming, but I had no idea. I'd never heard anyone talk about this being a miserable process. I had no idea to prepare myself for it, but I did know it through fertility. So because I both had that season and I got to observe others, I could really make the most of that healing season. Then at the end of that that healing window, that garden season, I have the lessons from the book trauma and saying you are so clear and confident and you have all the wisdom to say that you should make this happen. And yet actually what would have happened if you had prayed from the beginning, God, I want your best. And if this is not the best time for this book, shut it down. Shut it down earlier. I want less loss of, of time and money and energy, and I want less trauma. Like ultimately what I want is the best. I think this is the best that I'm trying to get this book out before I get to a ba- baby. I see all the wisdom of that. I've I've talked about doing this book for years. I think I'm being so wise in saying, oh my gosh, I'm like the you know boy that cried wolf here with the book. Like it is time to just get it done. Friend, there was so much wisdom in how Ardently, I pursued that book. And I'm so proud of myself for doing that. But when it ended in a creative stillbirth, I then said, okay, God, next, next thing I go through, number one, I don't want to steal the joy like I did in the wedding. And number two, I don't want to go through all this trauma and loss. If you got a better plan than me, I want to be more open handed as I get into it. And so I think that was those factors all together. I think my best ideas so far are what has led me to this incredible piece in the season. So I journal all of that and then I say, okay, so what can I learn then to replicate this? Number one is praying. And for me, I also will say Praying is predominantly what happens in my Elegant Excellence Journal. Again, if, if you whether you have a relationship with God or you don't, whatever that means for you, prayer really, when I say I prayed so much, I mean I sat for hours with my Elegant Excellence Journal and music on and long window sessions and just writing and writing and writing and and talking to god and hearing from god and writing out all of my fears and being so honest and transparent with myself and and really trying to process and grapple that's what i really mean by praying i really mean journaling and focused time sitting down and having these these focused pockets and windows so I have now said to myself. Now, coincidentally, the I already started doing this. We found out on a Friday that we were uh, are pregnant, and on Monday I was like, you know what? I have gotten out of my journaling practice. I've been so busy the last few months between business and surrogacy and my brother in law. Like it was a wild four months, and I would just wake out of bed, uh, wake up, get out of bed, and go right into work, right into getting things done. And so I said, okay, we. We don't have. We can't afford to not slow down in this season and make sure that we are being as wise as possible. I'm, I'm using like the royal we. I can't afford to be in this season of expecting a baby and not being as wise as possible about how I'm using my time, the priorities I'm making, the decisions I'm making, the the anxiety, the peace, all of that. And so I did start journaling. I have journaled every day for the last, what are we at? Over a month now. And friend, it's made such a difference. It's made such a difference. But then I said to Jeremy, okay, I need to be praying more specifically and concretely about the things in my life that are giving me anxiety. What do we want in a home? What do we want in a church and community and friend group when we move to California? What do I want to do in my business to you know prepare for a maternity leave? I need to be more intentional and focused on that with the same laser focus that I was with the baby. And for me, there is a benefit that I do have that real deadline—the the baby coming, the moving to um, to California—and so that does create a sense of okay, we're not talking like sometime in the next eighteen months. This would be great, but you can give yourself those deadlines. You can decide this is the season that I am done. With this, I am over this. It is time to decide. It is time to heal. It is time to get clarity and breakthrough. And I am going to be done with this. As I said, I think right now, it being August, is a great time to say, I, I am, I am done with this after 2023. So I have to have made a decision, gotten breakthrough, made change, made growth by the time we get to the new year. Second thing I take away is for myself is to. Focus on answered prayers and the proof that you have of all the times where if it wasn't this, then it was something better. Now, do I also, does my brain immediately say, okay, but we have a lot of examples of prayers that weren't answered and situations that are not better. I mean, look at the book, right? The, the, the book isn't better. The book just died. It's just like in, in ruins. I, I don't have a like, look how it got better. There's, there's not a better right now. But then I tell myself, that just means the story isn't finished yet. The story isn't finished yet if it hasn't gotten better. And meanwhile, you have so many other examples of things that have gotten better. And so the the point there is focusing on believing that if you trust God in the universe, if not this, then something better, it actually is going to be the something better. You are looking for that in your life. Now, again, caveat, friend to friend, that may not feel true for you. I'm sharing what is feeling true for me, but if a resistance comes up in your head, Use your elegant excellence journal. Process through why does or doesn't that feel right to you? You don't have to um, to take it for me. So, if your partner died, for example, you might say this this is not better. This is not better than that other scenario. And 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 that would be for you to then say with yourself, to God, to the universe, whatever it is. Is there any way that there is there a better Out of this. Now, again, that friend caveat that what I'm saying is speaking to me may not feel true for you. If your partner died, you may be saying this, this is not better. So I think it is so delicate in faith when we really get into these complex things, because there are a zillion layers. And so you take what I share and you work it through for yourself. It really is the only way. And I think that I've realized a lot of times when we are really sensitive and tender about things, we tend to get defensive when we hear something that isn't true. And I'm trying to be a little softer with that and be like, why don't I feel that's true? What does feel true for me? And then let me work through it a bunch. Let me let me keep excavating. Let me keep getting to the center of what I do think I can stand behind. But often that's going to be a journey. And this is the 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 journey that I'm on right now with these first thoughts on trying to understand how I got to this piece. So focusing on all those answered prayers, when I feel anxious about our past, our our next home, I think about the last four homes that I've been given, uh, apartments um, over the years that um, for rentals that have all been amazing and the perfect thing at the perfect time. So why am I not, But why do I have so much fear That God's not going to do it again. Every time we've had, I've had new friends, new community, like it's always gotten better. So, why would I not believe that the same thing is awaiting us in California? So, having that positive, hopeful expectation, because that just genuinely is the way that I kept thinking, why would God have brought us through all these IVF rounds and take all these years and put it on our heart to have kids, tell us to use a surrogate, then not have it work out? Like, that just didn't make sense. Could it happen? Yeah. But it just wasn't as logical. It didn't make as much sense. It didn't seem as plausible that it was likely going to work. Could we end up with a horrible home in California? Yeah. But based on the track record, doesn't it just make you know, more sense? And then number three is the stop pre-rehearsing. So this is a big one for me because I'm realizing that in other areas of my life, I already have the habit groove to go to that. So that's something that I need to work on then is noticing I didn't already have that habit groove for a pregnancy loss. I hadn't rehearsed that a zillion times. I had chosen not to pre-rehearse that. So it's easier then not to just like, whoop slip into that. Like you got a a luge of What's the bobsledding thing in the Olympics? Anyways, that's what I'm picturing it. It's like easy to just make like, whoop, we are right in and off it because you are making that smoother and faster every time you do it. So I realize I have got to stop pre-rehearsing. That's how I was able to not even pre-rehearse when we walked out of that movie theater because I don't have that like, quick, slick, easy groove to just whoo slip into, and I am down into terror because I haven't created it, but I have created it in terms of not having a home that I love, not having friends, not having, you know, all these other things that I'm worried, not having enough time, all these other things that I'm worried about, I have made those well-worn. So I've got to then play with how do I get myself out of that pre-rehearsing? But something that I've been saying all year and I've said multiple times in the podcast, is that I'd had the realization if the story ends up good and you were fearful and grasping along the way that it wasn't going to be, you just lost joy. If it ends up good and you were peaceful, you gained joy. If it ends up bad and you were fearful and grasping all along the way, you lost joy. If it's bad and you were peaceful, you gained joy. So the only thing that was changed by the worrying that we know for sure is whether or not you had more or less joy. That choosing peace always leaves you feeling better no matter what outcome you end up arriving to. And I'd already been thinking that for myself when my brother-in-law was in his accident in March. And then through that, we learned that actually... Prayer and positive thinking and all of that has been shown in science to lead to healing. In research studies, people who pray have higher rates of healing and success. So we know that this manifestation, really, another way potentially to say it, of believing in the positive outcome actually can have an impact on what the outcome is. So the only value in picturing what if it doesn't work out, what if there's a bad scenario, is if it leads you into action. So for example, if you are trying to grow your business and you're thinking about putting $100,000 into Facebook ads, you want to ask yourself, what if this doesn't work out? Because you want to know that if the answer is, Well, if this doesn't work, then the business closes and I'm going to be in debt. You're like, okay, we may or may not want to take that big of a financial gamble. It is wise for us to think about what if this doesn't work, but only if we say, well, then what am I going to do differently? Because if I fear we aren't going to find a home we love in California in the rather short window that we have between moving and when a baby comes, especially if the baby were to come early. If it makes me want to move earlier so that we give ourselves more time there to do that, then great. That that led to action. I've thought through. I wonder if this is gonna be stressful. I've taken a moment to ask myself that. But when I then float that idea to myself, it it does not make me want to move any earlier. I just it feels like we're supposed to go out at Christmas. going December one versus January one, I don't feel like there's going to be so many more places that are for rent right before the holidays. So that doesn't really make sense. It feels like we'd have to go even earlier and that doesn't feel right. So instead, what I'm left with is that my worrying about whether or not we're going to find a home leads me to do absolutely nothing different (laughs) because there's nothing I can do. I've done everything that I can do I have researched the neighborhoods that we are going to live in I've uh, made a list prioritizing what it is that we want like I've done everything I can we're gonna have our financial packet ready to go everything I can to to act confidently act swiftly get our application in soon I've prepared that so it's not about not thinking through and being prepared but now when there's no other action steps to take, my worrying leads me to do absolutely nothing differently. I'm just worried. Like if I'm worried about, are we going to find a church that we like out there? Are we going to make friends out there? Does that lead me to do anything different? No. I mean, the churches that are out there are out there. It's not like, I mean, I can, I can find them on the Google, et cetera. It's not like my worrying is going to make God create something just new for us out of nowhere. I, I'm not, it's just not valuable does worrying help me going into an embryo transfer? No. Into getting a pregnancy call? No. When our surrogate is spotting and going to the hospital? No, there is no action in any of those scenarios that I can take. And literally the most helpful action I can take as advised by this doula is to choose calm and lower my stress. And therefore that of the surrogate that's giving us the best chances of what I want is actually by not worrying. And I think this is challenging because there's many times when thinking through the scenarios does lead to wisdom in considering which action is best. And especially as an entrepreneur, when I'm weighing decisions on priorities and details and investments of my time and money and energy and resources every single day, my brain is then always in that analysis mode and i wonder if you can relate that your brain is always scanning for danger in certain ways again that's a habit groove to say i i am a planner i think big picture i see around the corners i see all of the dominoes so it's a very different energy to be able to say that's wise in business. It's wise for you to think about if I say yes to this this week, what, how is that going to affect my schedule next week? Am I going to be burned out? Am I going to be overcommitted? That's wise to be to be constantly. I don't know, worried or anxious is the thing, but really thinking is is this going to be okay? What if this is a bad idea? Should I make a different choice now? I'm thinking that all day every day. So how do I then separate and say? That's wise, but there's all these other areas in your life where there is no action for you to take, so the worrying is or the asking, what if this doesn't work out? What if this doesn't go well? If it doesn't lead you to any action, then it's 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 not it's not fruitful. So how do I get myself out of that space? I think the fourth and final element that I can utilize going forward, and I'm working on for myself now, is that I got myself into a completely different energetic space whenever I would try to make these decisions about surrogacy. I would take a cannabis gummy. I would sit on the couch for two to three hours journaling, listening to the same song that was speaking to me on repeat. I would go to the sauna every night starting in February of this year and for 15 minutes I would just listen to songs that spoke to me about the vision of what I believed was going to be. I would picture our baby here and what we were doing with them every single night for months. And I realized I've only done that that intentionally repeatedly soaking in this very creative, immersive, holistic, holistic experience around pregnancy. I have not done it envisioning our home, our church, our community and friends, my business impact, my purpose. Those thoughts are all much more in the frequent, rapid, repetitive analyzation category. They are my thinking mind, not in my feeling body. And so all I feel when I think about them is anxious, quick, vigilant, very awake, analytical leader. And therefore, I can also be very awake and analytical to the fact that it is not a guarantee that we will find this home or that we will find this community. I can get there because I'm right. I'm right that it's not guaranteed, but I'm coming from that energy, so I'm more likely to see that. Whereas I'm not rehearsing those negative stories over in pregnancy. Why? For most people, especially, this is the number one area they would be experiencing this. And as someone who has experienced anxiety my entire life, why in this most tender and triggering area of early pregnancy, am I finding the most peace? I think I got out of my head and into my body, into two hour long prayer journaling sessions with God and music and my elegant excellence journal to get to a more spiritual dimension to get guidance. And I went into that sauna. I saw it like my prayer closet, and I wasn't lying down there, bringing that same energy to my business or any of these other areas. I was doing that just every night around the, the pregnancy, our future life, and I wasn't envisioning all the friends we were going to be around in the community. I was just envisioning Jeremy and I, and our baby, and my mom, and my best friend who lives out there. Like I was just, I was picturing that. And so I was feeling really good about that. And I could feel it in my soul. And I can't, therefore, as I sort of said in the surrogacy episode, I can't explain to you as powerfully the logical reasons we did surrogacy, despite walking through all the elements putting together that episode. And it has plenty of logical reasons in it why we got there. You know, we were told this was statistically our best chance, etc. But underneath that, what I can authentically say is I just also knew it's what we were meant to do. And in the same way, while I do not have a crystal ball to know by any means that our pregnancy will be more successful than Anyone else's. And so it's not, and it's not coming from cockiness, thinking like this won't happen to me like it does to other people. Absolutely not. The opposite is what led me into surrogacy from that episode. It was the humility. And it's not coming from a place of naivete. The opposite. I had so many people in my life struggle. I just genuinely feel a piece that's been hard for me to articulate why. And it's a feeling not a thought. And I think that in addition to all of these other elements, it was getting out of, you know, taking 20 minutes in the morning with my coffee, doing logical journaling. What am I going to do today? What's on my to-do list? What's ahead of me? Totally wise, totally helpful. How I use my Elegant Excellence journal for years. But instead, I took this into nights and weekends and taking that cannabis gummy and sinking into music and prayer journaling and sauna worship just like in my sauna, arms up, crying that I just felt the right answer rather than I made the right arguments to get myself to the right answer. And I think in these other areas of my life, I'm so logical and and quick in my thinking that I can get myself to a right answer with my thoughts. But this actually originated more, it felt from my feelings. And then the final step is not just pre, not 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 pre-rehearsing bad things happening, but actively pre-rehearsing good things happening. That's what I was doing down in that sauna every night, was envisioning all the positives, all the best outcome. Whereas in these other areas of my life, I've developed this habit groove where I can so quickly slip off into pre-rehearsing a negative outcome that I don't know if it will ever happen. And instead, I was developing a new habit for pre-rehearsing positive outcomes. And it was more slow and spacious. It wasn't a quick thought that just, whoosh, leads me off. It was, I'm going to take 15 minutes and I'm going to go in this prayer closet and I'm going to take this gummy to get me into this space and I'm going to put this music on and then I'm gonna, you know, come upstairs. I'm gonna keep listening to the music. I'm just gonna stay sunk into that space. So these are the takeaways I am taking for now. Um, as I now try to say, how can I feel this in other areas of my life? And I will give you an update if I have more thoughts and insights into this. If I discover other elements and layers, and also as I see, am I able? To implement this in these other areas of my life, because so many of the different things that we talked about here were kind of unique scenarios. And so I want to give myself grace that each thing in my life, where I each area where I don't have peace, is its own story, has its own history and triggers and length and factors. And so I'm exploring for myself how each one is going to look over the coming. Weeks and months. And I hope that what I'm saying here works for me because I want that peace in other areas of my life. And I certainly hope that it works for and helps and supports you. Please let me know if you are a member of the garden party. Let's absolutely talk about this in depth over there. Let's keep each other updated over the months to come as we start to implement elements of this and really, I think, choosing kind of my my call to action for you here at the end as your life coach would be to choose the area or areas that you are really wanting this breakthrough in. And I think the less areas, the better, I think might also be a wisdom here unless they all really feel related. Because for me, peace about our home and our community is really peace about California. Those are just different aspects of what is life going to look like in January, February, March of 2024, because we're making this move. So that's really the move, which also the move is happening when the baby comes. So then the other anxieties are really about what am I doing in this season before the baby comes? And those are just two very real things in my life that I I can't say, oh, I'm just going to focus on only trying to break through peace before the baby comes and not also think about the move. But I think part of that success was that I was so focused on this fertility angle. And so for you to say, what is the biggest thing that is causing you anxiety, the greatest area where if you found peace, you would have so much time and energy back to focus on other things and to feel so much better. And can you implement these steps of really taking that dedicated time to pray, to journal, to fight for it, to focus on all of the answered prayers and the proof in your life of if this, if not this, then something better? So you can see, focus on, and believe in those positive outcomes and to stop pre rehearsing the negative outcome. And instead, pre-rehearse the positive outcome. And I think all of these things happen in really sinking into and soaking in intensive time. And I don't say that from a time place of, um, time affluence, meaning you have small kids at home. You don't have a couple of hours in the afternoon, but saying, this is what I'm doing when I get into the bath. This is what I'm doing on my car ride. This is what I'm doing on my workout while I'm running. This is what I'm doing at night when I get into bed, instead of watching TV, instead of reading a novel, where can I find those times Rather than saying, I'm too busy to feel peaceful, that's not a sentence we want to live our lives from. So, praying even there for the guidance, where can I find these deeper pockets of time to slow down and immerse myself in the positive outcome that I want? All the positive outcomes that I've had, and pre rehearsing all of the goodness that is to come in this area and praying for incredible clarity and breakthrough, whether you're trying to make a decision or you're just trying to move through from anxiety to peace. I'm so hopeful for how both of our stories are going to unfold this month, in the months to come, and how different we can feel heading into 2024. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. something I'm loving lately is I started shopping for baby clothes on ThreadUp, and they have this shipping method called the bundle. And I know Mr. Freddie Cappuccino, it is almost time for your lunch and you are a little upset that I've been a single parent for four days and you haven't gotten as much play time. I see you. I observe you. I look into your eyes, but I'm going to continue this podcast episode, okay, buddy? Um, so, ThreadUp has this shipping approach called the bundle, and this is just one of those things where I, I like to notice when I see something done really well. And think, why aren't we doing this in other spaces just to kind of open up my creativity and then think, okay, where might I then see other areas in my business, in my life where I could be doing something better? So the way their bundle works is that you, so ThredUP only has one of everything. So if you see something you really love you want to jump on it right you don't want to let it you know sit there you don't want to wait until the next day somebody could get it and i've had this experience there's a the main site that i buy my clothes on is shopbop and a lot of times they will say there's there's only one of this left and so you feel this urgency of like okay well i got to check out right now because somebody else could take it while it's sitting in my cart so i appreciate i understand that urgency whether it's like false urgency or whether it's just being realistic about like, yeah, there really only is so much that we like make decisions and we help buyers make decisions more quickly. But then what ThreadUp does is say, you can ship this right now, but we also can hold your order for seven days. And that means any other things you buy you can add to this box. And if you already have free shipping, then great. You've already met your free shipping requirement. And if you don't yet have free shipping, you've got seven days to see if there's anything else you want to add to it to get yourself up to the free shipping threshold. And that's so wise because you get the customer to take the action right away to buy, but now you're actually holding open for them you may as well shop for another few days, right? You've already got the free shipping. It's already coming. So you actually are more open to going back potentially and adding more things. And then you can ship your bundle anytime. If you really do want it that day, the customer has control. If you're like, no, I'm done. I just want it. Like, no worries. I'll put it in the mail. And also you aren't saying you're going to check out and then never get it because you never went and shipped your bundle. They say, hey, you got seven days. It will automatically ship. This day, at this time, I literally have a bundle based on my clock right now that shipped 18 minutes ago because I saw today, hey, it's going to ship at this time today. And um, so you know it's it's going to come. You have control over it. And then it's better for the environment. We're doing less packaging, less, um, you know, planes or trucks or wherever it takes to get things here. Um, we have less less processing, less hours that are having to be spent from you know UPS, scanning things, less boxes that they're having to carry. Like Everything along the ch- supply chain makes more sense. And by contrast with Shopbop, where I said often I will kind of be rushed into a purchase because they'll say there's only one of uh, something left. A couple months ago, I was shopping for, I don't know, maybe a photo shoot or a trip or something. And so I checked out, but then I wasn't quite done. I really wanted this thing. I didn't want it to disappear. So I quickly checked out, but then I kept shopping. And then I kind of ran out of time, but again, it happened. So I ended up having four orders that I placed within 48 hours. They're all free shipping. No worries. They get to me. But then they've changed their policies and now it's not free returns anymore after 14 days. Anyways, I pack them all up in one box, which I've always done with, with ShopBop. But then I realized they're wanting to charge me shipping four times because I have to go on and say every order I'm returning. And so I reached out to them saying, uh, this, this doesn't make any sense. If you're putting it all in one box, you you need to be able to give an option to say, do you have any other orders you want to combine into this box and only pay shipping once? But now I'm also thinking from this thread up perspective. If they just gave me the option to say, do you want us to ship this right now? It's free two day shipping. Um, or do you want us to hold it? Did you check out because something was about to expire in your cart, but actually, you really weren't done exploring the site. And we can hold this and package it all together. And then if you've only got one box to deal with, and if you do have any returns, and if it's past the 14-day window, you're only going to have to pay shipping once. So I don't think anyone who works at uh, Shopbop is probably hearing this, but I think the point is saying, how can we find win-wins? How can we be creative? I mean, also... ShopBop would be able to say, we're doing something better for the environment, which is a huge need in the fashion world. We talk about this a lot inside what makes women feel beautiful. Um, And without them really changing any of their other sustainability practices, it would allow them to say, hey, wanna help the environment? Feel free to extend this while also giving us more money while you keep shopping. I mean, absolutely feels like a win-win. And I think that really is kind of my takeaway from today's episode in general is that this baby piece feels like a win win. We have the win that we are in a pregnancy and the win that we are feeling peaceful in this season that we wanted for so long. And I want that more in other areas of my life and I so hoped that so hope that today's episode And I so hope that today's conversation helped us both get there. And if you believe this might help someone in your life, I would be so grateful, as would they, if you would share this episode on your Instagram stories and a Facebook group, text it to a friend. And if you would take just a moment to leave a review, I cannot tell you how much it helps this free gift of the podcast be able to reach more people. And I think there are so many of us who are desiring to have more peace in our lives, struggling with anxiety and worry. I don't think there's probably a single person in your life that wouldn't be blessed from this episode. So thank you in advance for being not only a beautiful member of this community and sharing, but being a beautiful friend, family member, or... Um, mentor to the uh, people who are following you and looking to you by sharing this. So I will see you over on Instagram, my dear, uh, over in Instagram stories and right back here next week for our next You're Welcome Wednesday. You're welcome in advance. Till next Wednesday.